You're listening to the Mining for Mayhem podcast, and you can find me, the phenomenal one, AJ, over at Backseat Bookers. Too sweet. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. This is another fantastic episode of Mining for Mayhem. It's been an absolute crazy-ass week in wrestling. So much has happened. So much to look forward to because of the past week. And what's even better is I get to talk about it this week with another special guest that I'm so excited to have with me tonight, Kurt Johansson from the Ringsider podcast. Kurt, how are you, buddy? Really good, thank you. Uh, really happy to be here for my for Mayhem. It's been a long time coming. Um, I'm glad we've just got stuff out of the way now and sorted. Um, but yeah, what a week to be coming on the show as well. Like We've just had an unbelievable past week in um, professional wrestling, leading into full gear, being two weeks removed from Survivor Series. Looking forward to talking about it. Yeah. Um, I mean, from SmackDown last week to SmackDown this week, it's just been nuts. Yeah, it's been um, it's been crazy. Like full disclosure, I've seen half of, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's just like normally when I'd watch Raw and SmackDown, I'm skipping through the majority of it. But because yeah. of the involvement from NXT and NXT UK, I've been like, oh shit! Like this is a lot of hours of wrestling I need to watch without skipping. Mm. Yeah, so tell us a bit about yourself. Tell us how you got into wrestling. So, as, as a fan, um, I'd always watched it with my um, stepdad at the time. And I always remember, like, the likes of, obviously, Rock Austin during the Attitude Era. But during that era, I always had, like, old videos that I got given from, like, family members. So I grew up watching, like, the original WrestleManias. I'd be watching Starcade, so... As well, my friends are just knowing Undertaker, Rock, Austin, Triple H. I was still big fans of like Ric Flair, Bret Hart. We'd have uh, Hulk Hogan, Sting, and they weren't really familiar with them. And it was just, I was enjoying like two hours of wrestling at the same time because once I finished one video, then another family member would give me the next video to watch. And I was just watching them like simultaneously. And it just went from there, really. It just came as from an enjoyment to what would have to be regarded as like an obsession, I guess. Mm. And just as, as I got older, I started getting into it a lot more. I looked at the UK independent scene for, I'll try this. This is very new to me because I'd only really watched WWE, WCW and TNA at the time. And I just fell in love with independent wrestling. So before yeah. I know it, I'm on the road nearly every weekend, going to different shows around the UK. And Callum and Jamie came to me to see if I wanted to start a podcast with them. Um, I was always friends with Jamie. We did some wrestling trips. I mean, Callum knew of each other. And then since then, we've just gone strength to strength. Like, 
with those of you that are listening and you might be unfamiliar with Ringsada, we've just rebranded over the past few weeks um, under the Zealots Network, but we were formerly known as Wrestle Thoughts Podcast, so WT Pod. Uh, and we're just trying to be ourselves, try and record, try and have fun, uh, try and be very interactive on social media, um, which is something that I've been quite proud of. And yeah, I just keep getting more and more involved with wrestling, really. Mm. Yeah, I'm the same here with you. I was barely active on social media and then just out of the blue, I went from, I created the account back in 2011, but I didn't really get active till early this year. So in the five years I've had something like, well, actually almost eight years, I've had 23 followers. And then once I got active, I shot up to about 150 followers in the space of a weekend. I'm like, oh my God, that's insane. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Mm. And there's just so many amazing people on Twitter, especially with this Twitter wrestling family. It's the one place for me personally, I am more myself amongst the wrestling community on Twitter than I am anywhere else. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that, to be honest. Um, like, I don't tweet as much from my personal account. I try and do a lot from the uh, ringside of pod, but yeah, it's just, it's a lot more people are understanding to you and you, you still have that preconception of people are wrestling's fake and there is that um, narrow-minded towards it. But on Twitter, it does, like you said, it gives an outlet for people to be themselves and um, look at this, Australia, UK, like would have never met and would have never spoken if it wasn't for professional wrestling. Exactly. And I mean, I've been following it almost full-time. I've been following it for since 2009. I've had probably about yeah. two years back in 02 to 04, but I would never have dreamed of that I'd be talking to someone from the UK, the US, every single week about this. And it's, yeah, I look forward to it every week. Yeah, it's crazy. It's... Yeah. It's good though. I, I really enjoy it, and um, I think it's been a great outlet for many, many people that I've spoken to, and like I said, mm. to be themselves. Yeah. So tell us about the transition from Wrestle Thoughts to Ringside. How did that come about? Well, there's we 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 felt like we sounded like a very big. Um, wrestling media here in the UK called Wrestle Talk and they were tend to have been affiliated with some of the same wrestlers and same companies that we were affiliated with. So once I had like my brief departure from Wrestle Thoughts and I thought right I'm gonna take a break from podcasting and then the guys had left Brainbuster Radio and I was just chatting, I was like, look I might come back what you got planned and I was like, well we're thinking of doing like a proper rebrand um, do our own network where there's no BS involved, it's just content. And through Wrestle Thoughts, like luckily, there's a community in Hull um here in the UK. There's been a few of us that have been involved in it. You've had myself, Jamie, and Callum that have been the main three throughout. We've had Dave that occasionally guest spots. He was on our recent recording, which should be dropping this weekend. But we've also had guests um like Rivers and James in the past. So we thought, right, instead of all of us speaking about wrestling, let's create something called Zealots Network. And we've got at Rings, like we've got Ringsider, which is myself, 
Jamie McCallum with the occasional guests. And then we, we've got Make It Darker, which is at Make Darker. And this is all about horror. So Rivers and James talk about horror movies. They recently dropped a, a great video discussing Halloween. So we're just trying to bring all these different enjoyments. Callum and Jamie are working on something called The Occult, where you can find it at Occult Pod. And that's talking about, um, like, well, the occult, paranormal, conspiracies, things like that. And that. yeah, if you want, if you want to find any more information, it's all under the uh, Zealots Network, and it's just like essentially a group of friends that all live in the same city. We eventually we want to expand, and we may bring people in, um, to be content providers under the umbrella. But we thought before we try and start promising the world, like other people have tried doing in the past and kind of shit all over those that have been part of their brand. We want to mm. make sure our brand stable, our brand secure, that we're hitting our shows cons- consistently, we want to grow it. And then we might start bringing people in where they can trust us to protect their own content and protect their image and brand. Yeah. No, that sounds amazing. I'll have to go check that out because, I mean, I love the paranormal. Me and one of my mates, we used to get our emf detectors out almost every weekend and at two in the morning we'd be (laughs) hunting the hills just looking to see what spirits and what entities we could find and there's one night because as most people that are into the paranormal know they love electrical storms and electrical storms is what sets it off and we were out one night in the middle of a storm and both (laughs) of our things there was a flash of lightning there was a bang and about 30 seconds later all like i had my ipad i had my phone he had his phone and then we had two detectors as well all five of them went off at the same time pointing in the same direction it was nuts <laughs> so who was your yeah. favorite wrestler growing up um my favorites growing up i, I was a big fan of um hulk hogan and sting and like I said, simultaneously, I was watching the Attitude Era. So, like, my biggest two icons as a child would have been Hogan and, and The Rock. Obviously, yeah. I loved Austin, but they were the main two growing up as a kid. And, um, like, the two closest would have been Sting and Austin. Okay. Yes, I watched a bit of Sting from going back on the network and watching WCW because obviously. I never got into it till I was about 11, I think it was, around 2002, 2004. And then, fortunately, due to circumstances, I had to give it up. I was not very happy about it because my parents weren't a fan of intergender wrestling at the time. They weren't a fan of me running around on Monday Night Raw on my Xbox as a creative (laughs) female diva at the time, getting beat up by Triple H and they're, like, trying to promote or trying to get rid of that sort of violence out of the house. And it wasn't until I moved out in 2009 that I really got back into it. And I'm just like, I'm so glad I did. <laughs> what do they think of it now that you're doing like podcasts and something that they didn't really want you watching, you now discussing every week with people around the world? They, th- they want me to send them a link because they want to listen to it. <laughs> And I told, I was on the phone to him today and I've told him, because I do blogging as well, or not as much as I'd like to. I haven't done a um, 
one in a week or a couple of weeks now. Actually, it's more been like a month or so. And I've told them I've just been nominated for a podcast, not a podcast, a blogging award that um, Kevin's decided to do. He's grabbed nominations for blogging awards. I'm just like, that's insane. So I told my parents, I'm like, that is so cool. Hopefully you win it. I'm just like, honestly, even if I don't, so many fantastic bloggers and so many, so many of my friends have been nominated for it that if I don't win, it means that they have and that would be awesome just to see my friends win. And it's the same with the podcast awards. There's been so many podcasts get nominated for these awards. Like, obviously, you've got your big ones, Talk is Jericho. You've got uh, a lot of huge names up there that from famous wrestlers that we all know. And then yeah. alongside them in the categories, you've got the smaller ones. Like, you've got Josh from Wrestling Reverb. You've got the Queen of Any's Queen... Queen's Court and Queen Chats. You've got Best Branded and Josh Robinson. You've got Badlands Pod. I'm just like, oh my God, so many of my friends are getting nominated. This is amazing. Yeah. No, it's really good. And like I said, the community, everybody's really supportive. Barring a couple of people, but I guess it's the most important thing is uh, a lot of people keep banding together. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, so I opened up the mailbox this week to get some questions in, and there's been some very interesting questions, and I'm actually looking forward to hearing your thoughts on them. So the first question in the mailbox comes from Why Man Podcast from EJ, and he says, would Rey Mysterio beating Brock Lesnar be believable at this point with the way they booked Brock Lesnar? in the last few years? Hmm. Depends how the story's told. If you tell a good story, anything's believable. Like, I'm not going to say a one-on-one, like, Ray's going to quickly beat Brock Lesnar. Maybe not, but we've seen it in the past. When it comes to Brock, those that are very fast have always got a good match out of him. I.e. Seth mm. Rollins... AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan, and it's as if exactly. that's been his, his Achilles heel. Which he goes wrestling fan. better with the smaller man. Yeah, 100%. Unless he's pinning Kofi in three seconds. Yeah. Um, if It could be interesting, if though. Three wins, like, if three wins, Kane Velasquez has to have been involved, in my opinion. Just to if protect. Not, I think it, if, if not, it has to be underhanded. Dominic Mysterio as well. Yeah. I think if oh. it's one on one, Brock wins. But I think Ray will get a good match out of him. I at least I hope. But it might actually make sense putting the championship on Ray, considering he's only held the WWE Championship once, and as Kevin and Josh were saying, because I was listening to Wrestling Reverb this afternoon, it wasn't even for a full show of Raw, it was for two, uh, just under two hours or something like that. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm hoping I'm hoping he does well, to be honest. Um, yeah. I think with wrestling fans, they'll complain either way. You've had people complain that since Mysterio's return, WWE have done nothing with him. But now, mm. if they did belt on him, they would complain that they've put the belt on Rey Mysterio. But it's, 
it's a catch twenty two. Like they're always doing wrong for doing right a lot of the time. Um, but I'm interested to see how it will go. Yeah, well, you're right there. It's, there's no winning with the community. It's Brock wins. Oh, he just buried Mysterio. Brock loses. Well, they just made Brock look weak after years of strong bookings. Or if he loses to Mysterio, but yet slaughtered Kingston, they'll somehow find a way to complain about that. And it's like, just enjoy it. It's just a yeah. story. Look, it's, it may not be perfect. And you're not going to get the perfect story every time. Creative is going to make mistakes sometimes more than others. But when they do hit it, they hit it straight out of the park. Yeah, 100%. Um, your next question is from Too Sweet Wrestling at Too Sweet Pod. Too Sweet Pod. Um, your favorite moment from the Wednesday night was so far? Hmm. I've got. I've got two moments, and one's for Eva Brand, and actually, there was both this week. The OC turning up to NXT and Styles being so this is what NXT is the whole interaction with Tommaso Ciampa the six man at the end and just the little things with the showdown with Bala and Styles where they're both doing the bullet club-esque signals should we say mm. that's been really that's been really exciting the thing that may ravel that on NXT would be Bala's heel turn I think that was executed perfectly against Gagano oh yeah no the- one saw that coming Oh, it was just so smooth. The connection, like, it was fantastic. Like, that was amazing. I think mm. anything Bala's done since going back to the brand has been fantastic, to be honest. And he's um, finally getting used properly. Yeah. He's finally getting used properly since his injury when he won the Universal title. He's not been used properly since. Mm. Yeah, um, they tease him. They teased him joining Undisputed Era when he attacked Gargano. But Undisputed Era is feuding with the OC, and they also teased him when they two-sweeted with AJ Styles joining the Bullet Club. Do you reckon he's going to stay solo, or do you reckon he'll go one way or the other? I don't don't know, to be honest. I really don't know. I, I don't think he'll join Undisputed Era because... What I would like to see is different offshoots of essentially the club. So you may have Styles, Gallows, Anderson running one on Raw and SmackDown, occasionally invading NXT. But then you might have Bala, who's part of them three, also having his own troops, should we say, under NXT's banner. And then when they come together and take over different brands, it's going to be like essentially two stables like joining forces I wouldn't mind seeing something like that I don't know how it would work if Bal joins the club because he's on NXT but I think with the Savaris series I think they should because they've give Adam Cole matches against Brian and Rollins already it makes me think he's not going to be in a big singles match again yeah. so I'm thinking and it could be four Survivor Series, Bala and the club against the Undisputed Era. Oh, no, we can't because Fish and O'Reilly defending. There's so many variables. I just want that eight-man tag to happen. 
Yeah. Well, going off your thought, um, if you say have the OC up at Monday Night Raw and then you've got Balor doing his Balor Club with, let's just say he gets in some rookies from the PC that have never been seen before. Like, for instance, there's you could have your right-hand man, um, the Samoan ghost, Daniel Vito, who's a former Australian rugby league player who's currently training to be a superstar at the PC. He could be the right-hand man. Then you could get two other people, whether they get two randoms, two newbies, or they turn two pe- people heel to join Bala, or whether teams break up, you get Matt Riddle in or something. And then on top of that, yeah. you have another group, say Shinsuke Nakamura breaks off from Sami Zayn, and, or even, and then Shinsuke Nakamura starts his own version of the club, being that he was in New Japan as well, and you've just got the three leaders from New Japan on three different shows running Riot and coming together to run Riot over WWE. So you've got the Raw Bullet Club, you've got Bullet Club from, or not Bullet Club, the club, the club on NXT and then the club on SmackDown, making one super club. Yeah, no, 100%. I think, I said it before when Balor was on... Um the main roster, and when the OC was on the same roster as Shinsuke, that they should do it for Shinsuke joining the club. Um, mm. Is it a history? Because Shinsuke was so against the Bullet Club in Japan with him being in chaos. I think that would work really well. Um, I've always said if Shinsuke was to leave WWE and go back to New Japan, I'd want him to join the Bullet Club. Yeah. And then... Going back to the um, favourite moments from the Wednesday Night Wars, one of the things that stands out for me is obviously the um, two splitting between heels, the um, styles and Balor. You've got the Balor heel turn. But if you want to get technical, the Wednesday Night Wars is NXT versus AEW. So if you don't call it Wednesday Night Wars, then you just call it NXT versus AEW. Can you count stuff that didn't happen on Wednesday night and say one of your favourite things has been NXT invading SmackDown, which would have drawn viewers from the Fox network over to USA on a Wednesday night? And today, for instance, watching Rhea Ripley and Tegan Knox run roughshod over the women's division and Bianca Belair at back, and then watching... Um, Sonya Deville go flying over a table and knocking out. Um, I've just drawn a blank. Knocking out no, the female I... commentator. Oh, yeah, Renee Young. That's the one, Renee. Yeah, I'm a huge Renee Young fan. I can't believe I totally forgot her name. Now. Wow. Uh, it happens. So, it happens. Mm. But yeah, that when um, SmackDown from last week has to, even though technically it was a Saturday morning here, Friday night in the US that has to be one of my favourite moments of the Wednesday Night Wars or NXT versus AEW was NXT invading Smackdown that was just so pure and then yeah it worked worked really well alright so your next question comes from Anthony Talkstuff at AA Talkstuff you've got do you think Seth Rollins believes everything he's been saying this year or is he just carrying the company water? Hmm. That's a 
I think part of him, he's proud in what he's done. Mm. And I think he'd believe a lot of the stuff. I think some of it may be ignorance. Like when he was calling Osprey like a little boy, and it's like, wait, Osprey's taller than you. Um, mm. I think I think he believes a big majority of it, but I think a lot of it is getting defensive because, like he said, he's putting his body on the line, like, all year round, and people are shitting on it, where he's doing the yeah. best of his ability of what he's allowed to do. And I think it's a case of if Seth Rollins was to leave the company or go to NXT full-time, everybody would be regarding Seth Rollins to be on the level of Kenny Omega. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I don't know if I'd put class Seth Rollins in the same level as Kenny Omega, but in saying that, I did say the other week um, when I had, I believe it was um, Fowl I had on at the time. I called Kenny Omega overrated. Okay. Because I, and people say that's because I've only seen what he's done in um, AEW. I've gone back and I've watched his work in New Japan. I've watched his matches. And he's got skill. I don't doubt that. I'm not saying he doesn't. I've watched everything there is to watch with Kenny Omega in New Japan and all around the world. And whether I've even been like defiant and the best in the world and everything, it's just not for me. It's as simple as that. I've, and it's the same with the Young Bucks. I watched the Young Bucks the other week and they had a fantastic match and they're talented. But it wasn't me like it just seemed like they were going through the runs it was spot after spot it was a spot fest essentially and i'm just and then i flicked over to nxt and leo rush was going up against drew gulak and i watched leo rush win that championship and i've never been a fan of leo rush up until then I was watching him, and I started cheering for him. I'm like, yes, go Leo. And I think being in NXT allowed him to be his best self. Because when he was going up against Balor, when he was um, Bobby Lashley's sidekick, he was never going to win. It was never believable. At least it was believable he could win in NXT. I just didn't know if he was going to or not. But I wanted him to, and that's why, for me, I started cheering. But, yeah, no, yeah, I think mm. it's not for everybody. It's not for mm. everybody. It's subjective. So to those that like the high impact, like a lot of move spot fest types of things, um, there will be they'll love the books. Like I'm I'm a big fan of the books, I'm a big fan of Omega. Um, but I'm a big fan of what NWA are doing at the moment. I'm a big fan of the yeah. style that he's putting out there. Like it's subjective and I'm getting we're fortunate that there's so much different wrestling around at the moment that there's somebody carrying the torch for every style of wrestling that I'm enjoying. Mm. And it's like, for me, like, I'm a massive fan of Impact. And I love, I, like, I watch Impact every week. And you've got, for instance, Sammy yeah. Callahan is just a genius on the mic. Whether he gets Betty's lines or he just goes on the spot or he comes up with his own lines, I'm not sure. But he pulled out promo the other week when he was at the start of Impact. He was celebrating his win. 
and he's got his beer in his hand as he does all, almost every week. And he's drinking it and he's like, I'm drinking beer like a real man. I'm not drinking a little bit of the bubbly like a bitch. And <laughs> I'm just like, woohoo! I love color. Shots, shots fired. Yeah, I love Callahan. I'm hoping, though, I'm hoping Tessa Blanchard takes the belt off him. I think she deserves it. I think... Oh, absolutely. It's, it's a great like, statement of it's not men's wrestling or women's wrestling, it's just wrestling. And Tessa Blanchard and Sammy Callahan, they've been one of the feuds of the year for me. Them two have fucking killed it. Exactly. And even when they're not feuding against each other, um... I don't know what it was. Brian Cage sort of once he won that championship because he got injured. I'm assuming it was. He yeah, had done actual... with it. And when he was on the mic, there was just no interest. Like I wasn't invested in him. But the moment Callahan walked down to the ring, I sat up. I wanted to see what was going to happen next. And when yeah. he may have accidentally hit Cage's wife in the face with a bottle of wine. I sort of <laughs> went out and I may have felt for it, but I'd like to point out it was an accident. Sammy Callahan didn't do that intentionally. He was aiming it for Cage. And yes, I'm aware I'm keeping kayfabe here. Don't at me. Um, all right. So the next question comes from SCW Wrestling Channel at SCW underscore Steve. SCW. <laughs> AEW have always said that wins and losses matter. But have you noticed that most of the roster have 50-50 records so far? What are your thoughts on this? Personally, I love it. Um, The reason being is if they just had four people running away with it, then it's harder for the others to catch up. They've got the two clear guys. Obviously, Jericho just released the top five rankings. Jericho's not on it because he's champion. But under him, you've yeah. got Cody. That's uh, three wins, one draw. And then he's had one um, He's had one loss in a tags match as well. You've had Park. He's got three wins, one draw, one loss. The loss being in a tag match. You've got Adam Page with a three for two in singles. Overall, four for four. You've got Kenny Omega, a 5 for 4 in everything. And you've got Moxley, a 1-1-1. One, one, one. And the 1 yeah. being a tag match. So, with that, you've got three people that are under undefeated in singles wrestling, um, challenging for the title with Cody, Pack, and Moxley. And the fact that it's all 50-50 has made it believable that all five of those are worthy challengers for Chris Jericho and then you'll have people building up from the bottom trying to break that top five by moving forward so I think wins and losses do matter to showing that because Cody has got the best record and he's number one contender you've got Pac saying why haven't I had a championship match when I'm still undefeated in singles matches you've got Moxley who's more concerned on Kenny Omega at the moment than talking about the unsanctioned match and they're doing it so it doesn't count as if he's beat their golden boy, Kenny Omega, 
that when he beats Kenny Omega, it doesn't matter because it won't class towards going for a title or anything like that. Yeah. So I think they've been very, I think they've been very clever in protecting all of the big stars that could be considered a world champion. Yeah, well, on top of that, as you said, it's like their figures are two and two or one and one or one and two and two and one. It's early days, so I'm not surprised that the um, stats are so 50-50. And I mean, in a sense, you could almost say it's 50-50 booking like the WWE does, which the stats are there to prove it, but I don't know if I'd go that far. It's sort of... I wouldn't I wouldn't go that far because although it's fifty fifty in a short week, it's all told a storyline. Yeah. It's all being telling the story of where Paige everybody thought he was gonna be the true AW guy to win the title. But it's not been working out and you've been seeing those frustrations. Kenny Omega have been acknowledging that he's not been the guy that he was in Japan and he's showing those frustrations. So it's not as much as fifty fifty booking. They're just storytelling yeah. and layers to the character. Yeah, exactly. And it's new days. You're going to get someone that's eventually going to go on a winning streak and go 20 wins to four losses, or someone's going to have a massive, like, for instance, Kenny Omega could end up on a four wins, 10 losses, and that could be what drives him to turn into his cleaner gimmick from NJPW. You've got um, Moxley, who could eventually be 10 and 10 where some days he can win it, some days he can't it's his unpredictability unstable persona you've got it's like you said, it is all about storytelling but it makes it very interesting to see how they go, but as I said before the other thing I think is, it's just because it's new, it's only been for a couple of weeks, give it till maybe the end of the year or April next year and the figures I can almost guarantee will look a lot different and you'll have firm number one contenders. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's a new audience, apart from Cody, somewhat Pac and Chris Jericho, the other guys in the top six haven't been, oh, and Moxley, of course, they've not really been on TV much. So they can, from the get-go, either put these guys way too over these people that they know. They're just having to do a happy medium to make it believable. And yeah. I'm, I'm, really, I'm, I'm really enjoying it because one of the things in WWE, when there's a pay-per-view, it tends to be quite predictable, dare I say. Uh, the outcomes, you think, yeah, that's going to happen, that's going to happen, that's going to happen. I was doing, like, when you're thinking about full gear, it's so hard to call which way certain matches are going to go, and that's how wrestling should be. It shouldn't be predictable. It shouldn't be obvious the way it's going. And I think mm. with them being so even at the moment, like jumping back to that list, you've got Cody, who's number one, going against the champion. You've got number mm. two is Impact facing number three in Adam Page. So if Page wins, he's leapfrogging Pack. But then you've got number four and number five in Moxley. And although that's not a sanctioned match that won't go towards the rankings, it's still going to be very telling that the fourth and fifth are feuding and whoever wins that has got a serious claim to, although it's not counting towards the rankings, like Moxley said, it's just trying to keep him down and make it so he's not beat there by Kenny Omega. But if he wins, he's got a serious claim 
to challenge for the number one contendership or challenge for the title. Yeah. I definitely totally agree with you on that one. It makes a lot of sense. Um, your last and final question for the night comes in from WrestleSode at WrestleSode. Um, would you rather see Bret Hart in a producer role for the WWE or AEW? AEW. Um, hands down. I think with the producers in WWE, it, it don't matter. Um, you've just seen it with uh, Road Dog. He'd had a plan for SmackDown, started producing stuff, and then last minute, Vince changed it and took the belts off Sasha Banks and barely despite them working on a six-month plan. So there's too many frustrations. Yeah. And in WWE at the moment, they're not priding themselves on some of the best technical professional wrestling. There's a reason why Dean Malenko left WWE and went straight to AEW. I think having somebody like Bret Hart work on with some of these amazing athletes for what their in-ring capabilities are, I think he'd be a lot better utilised in AEW, in my opinion. Yeah, that's exactly it. And then you've got your executive vice producers or whatever it was with um, Bischoff and Heyman and then suddenly Bischoff's left and they've replaced him with that other guy. And it's just like, Bischoff works there for a matter of... Yeah. He works there for a matter of weeks and I was like, well, what was the point of getting him on if you were just going to get rid of him? It wouldn't surprise me if that was a Vince thing. Yeah, let's give Bischoff a job again. Just sack and fire him again. I wouldn't put it past yeah. Vince to do that. <laughs> I never thought of it like that. That's actually quite funny. But it wouldn't surprise me either, to be honest. Um, yeah, I'd like to see Bret Hart go to AEW as a producer. I mean... We saw him in that thing. You could have him as a producer and then have him as an on-screen role as well with, for instance, you've got a superstar getting upset with how they're getting booked in storyline. So Bret Hart, come, or they call out Bret Hart or Bret Hart comes out because he just happens to be the producer. And then they get into a heated argument and he's like, well, if you're not happy that you're getting underutilized, I'll put you in a match. You know what? Screw it. I'll put you in a match right now. Here comes out one of the superstars that I have the most respect for in this company. A superstar that's not afraid to stand up for himself and fight for what he wants. And then next minute out comes MJF. You've got that built-in storyline between MJF and Bret Hart. Um, I I like like, there's so many possibilities and um, one team I wouldn't mind seeing, like I really enjoy the work in MLW. But with the Hart Foundation, Teddy Hart, Brian Pillman Jr. and David Boy Smith Jr., um, I think they'd be great additions in AW. And again, that could be something they'd go with, um, with Bret Hart being part of that Hart Foundation. You could, you could always have it where, I don't know, if people, if the Inner Circle or whatever are attacking him or the Elite, if they're heels and whatever, and he's like... Um, there's two, there's two key elements in professional wrestling. You've got to go with your heart and you've got to build foundations and then have them free come in. Yeah. Um, if they were to take a team, like we saw um, LAX from 
impacts just recently joined AEW, if the, another team were to come from another company, like for instance the Hart Foundation, was there any other team you'd like to see? The Rascals. Ooh, Hands down yeah. the Rascals. Um, their treehouse stuff, I got to meet them, the three of them in uh, the UK recently for Fight Club Pro and um, I got such a cool picture where we're doing the little uh, rascal hand gesture and that but I was just speaking to the three of them I was like look, I was like the amount of times I'll sit down and watch Impact and whenever you're on screen especially doing your treehouse stuff I'm keeling over laughing like, I find it so entertaining and in terms of the in-ring ability, all three of them are absolutely fantastic Well, here's an interesting theory for you Let's say, going back to the wins and losses thing for a minute, that the inner circle build up such a winning streak that Jericho comes out with the inner circle and starts bragging and says, there's no one left to face. We've beaten everyone. We're undefeated for the last six months. We are the greatest faction in the wrestling industry. The rascals walk out, but not just the rascals. They have a older veteran as that head honcho how um, the inner circle have Jericho and out walks RVD. <laughs> as soon as you say an older veteran, I was like, who would I want? It'd have to be either RVD or Valvinus. <laughs> well, I mean, we've seen RVD and the Rascals. I mean, and the fact yeah. that the Rascals are all about smoking that weed and we all know RVD's history with the stuff. Did you... Um, get to watch RVD's heel turn. Um, no, he's currently going. Um, I'm a few weeks behind actually on impacts, which has been quite frustrating. I've been watching little things here and there, but not the full show, so I've not really seen what um, Van Damme's doing at the moment. Oh, did you know he turned heel? No, like that's completely <laughs> new. Like, help me, let let me know. Let me know how that happened. Yeah. Spoiler alert. So it was at the um, um, recent pay-per-view. Um, I'm just trying to think. Yeah, what the Bound for, Bound for Glory. Yeah, and he was in a triple threat tag match. with There was him and Rhino versus yeah. the North and Willie Mack and um, oh, Willie Mack's tag partner that just came Big to a like Rich Swan. Yeah, and he's just basically turned around and done a jumping kick straight on Rhino out of the blue. And once he kicked Rhino in the face, the first second it happened, you would have thought it was an accident. And then he's just gone after Willie Mack and everyone in that ring, gone back after Rhino, and then just walked out with this just evil, up-himself grin, like, I don't care what you (laughs) dweebs think, go F yourselves. And I'm just like... It was so well executed. It was like the Finn Balor. You just didn't see it coming. If someone were to turn heel yeah. on that partnership, you would have thought it was Rhino. Well, funny you should say that, because I did see that it was Van Damme and Rhino coming up on one of their big shows. And I was like, oh, Rhino must have turned heel already. Because um, I've got break, I've got Bound for Glory to watch and then the following impacts. Um, I've just not had time to actually sit down and watch Bound for Glory yet. So I'll yeah. like I'll keep an eye on like the Sammy Callahan stuff, the Tessa Blanchard stuff, but for the full product, I kind of kept at arm's length. Um, 
and it's been it's, it's I can't wait to be able to just sit down when I've got some time to try and catch up on things but mm. it's I, I like what Impact are doing where they've got all these new young guys but then they're giving these older guys a place but not just as crappy nostalgia but as enter- entertainment like Rhino and his, what he was doing with Michael Elgin was great and was what I thought was Rhino got probably the best out of Michael Elgin so far in Impact yeah. uh, you've got obviously Rob Van Dam. you've seen Tommy Dreamer and Sabu you've got Ken Shamrock back who's in phenomenal shape um, and hope yes and you've got Ken Shamrock taking Dick Flip from Joey Ryan it's just because if you look at it, out of all the different TV companies, it's Impact Wrestling that could allow Joey Ryan to be how Joey Ryan is. Yeah, because you saw in an interview, I don't think it may have been with Chris Van Vliet, Joey Ryan was saying that he was going to stay on the independence and he will not sign for a company, which made sense because yeah. there was no way that we're going to let Joey Ryan be Joey Ryan. But the fact that you now just watch... Um, the King of Sleaze go on to Impact and Dick Flick, Ken Shamrock. I keep getting those two mixed up, Ken and Frank Shamrock. Yeah, he's going to Dick Flick, Ken Shamrock, and I'm like, hell yeah. And Shamrock sold it. Yeah, he did. And it was so funny to watch. No, and I like what Shamrock's done. He's just, he did a statement about how pro wrestling, these loads of different variables and find something that you enjoy and don't shit on the rest of it, essentially. And I think that's just a dig at uh, fucking Jim Cornette because Cornette was saying they're embarrassing the company and stuff like that. And like, I'd love to see him say that Ken Shamrock's embarrassing the fucking professional wrestling industry to his face because I don't think he would. Mm. Speaking of like giving new wrestlers or younger wrestlers a chance or inexperienced ones, one of the YouTube slash Twitter rivalries or social media rivalries I've seen with um, Sammy Callahan, he's, for instance, Sammy Callahan, let's just say in theory, beats Tessa Blanchard and then beats um, Brian Cage again and then goes through the rounds and beats everyone that he can beat and then has no one left and does, for instance, what I said before with the inner circle saying there's no one left to beat and throws out an open challenge to anyone he's never faced before. And the music mm-hmm. hits and out walks Simon Miller. <laughs> the thumbs... The war of thumbs up, thumbs down. <laughs> Simon Miller. Bless. I don't know how to take to that, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, I've watched him like crazy on YouTube on his um, podcast and all his YouTube shows. And from there, I found that him and his mates had developed that wrestling company. And then it turned into Defiant. And yeah. then I'm Defiant shot. And I'm like, that is such a shame. I actually quite enjoyed Defiant. It was good, especially when they were getting the bigger names in there and you had the likes of the Broken Universe with Matt Hardy in there and Jeff Hardy. And then, in a sense, I suppose in the end, it did sort of die down and you just didn't have those big names there anymore. Yeah, but, it was it was different. It was because of YouTube that was. Um, WCPW got so... Well, and what culture got so much money through... Um, ad revenue for YouTube and then 
when they when YouTube changed to make it where wrestling couldn't receive like all the ad revenue stuff, that meant they all of a sudden they couldn't really be afford to bring in these guys. So when they mm. were, there was just every, I think it was like for the past year or two, every show they were running was at a loss essentially. And yeah. they've done the rebrand Defiant where they've changed it. They started bringing in a lot of the young talent in the UK and it just didn't have that same buzz as what they did before. A lot of the fans stopped going and again, I think they were running at a bit of a loss and unfortunately they did close. Yeah, it seems to be the moment NXT UK opened is the moment it started going downhill because NXT UK was bringing in all these young stars, like even I'd never heard of. I'd heard of obviously a few of them from the Mae Young Classic and stuff like that, but other than that, I'd never really heard of many. Yeah, it was a lot of the guys Defiant were using were also really successful in the likes of Rev Pro Progress, ICW, and OTT. And when NXTU came about and started offering all these contracts, these guys could work certain shows, but not Defiant or Ref Pro. And then yeah. they've restricted the shows even more so now as well. Yeah. All right. So one of the segments I've got on this show is called Random React. And it's basically where I pick out a random segment throughout the week. I pick it out and I save it to my YouTube account and I play it throughout the podcast completely random only person that knows about is me and your job essentially is after the segment whether it be a match or a promo or a statement or whatever it might be a secret attack or debut your job is essentially to react to it and this is this is the one i have picked out for you okay Such people as 
Buddy Rogers. People like Bruno San Martino. People like Bob Backman. People like Hulk Hogan. And now, people like Stone Cold Steve Austin. You see, the WWF, as always, let the Island Boys in. But we were always held back. Now listen to me, Rock. And I really want you to listen to me. And I'm talking about people like your grandfather, a well-respected man, high chief Peter Maivia, could have became a WWF champion, but no, they held him back. People like Jimmy Superfly Snooker. Go. Fuck. Oh, I loved it. Um, I think that was the best Rikishi's ever been, and it was. It had been such a good opportunity, like when The Rock's refusing to um, acknowledge Rikishi and like side with him because of what he's done to Austin. It had been great for. Like, I don't think anybody expected it for Rikishi, and I think the statement was true with the people that had been held down. If ever there was to make Rikishi like some absolute destroyer, it had been at that moment there. And it's a shame they didn't pull the plug with it, but obviously Rock became the Rock, and as big as what he was. Mm. But, uh, I just kind of want to watch more of the footage now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's earlier this year that I saw that segment. I went back and because normally I go when I go back, I either go back to '98 Raw or '97 Raw. I go to 2001 when they did the invasion angle, or I go to 2002 to 2004 again and rewatch my childhood. Yeah. But then I thought, you know what, the 1999 to 2000 is something I've never watched. And this is back when Big Show was the champion in 99. So I went and watched it, and then I came up to this storyline. And I'd skip the segments that weren't interesting. I mean, you had some great segments during Raw back in those days. Like You had the storyline between um, Eddie Guerrero and China. You had um, the Dudley Boys. You had the Hardys. You had Edge and Christian. And then obviously you had the storyline of who ran over Austin. And it was interesting. It kept me awake at night, which was probably not a good thing. Sitting up at, like, I'd get home from work and I'd put Raw on from an episode from 2000. And every week of Raw, I'd watch and I'd get home at, say, 10 30 at night, 11 o'clock, I'd put it on and I'd sit there and I'd get so interested. And I'd go through week after week after week in one night and next minute I look down and it's 5.30 in the morning and I can hear the birds, the sun's finally shining through I'm like, ah, crap. 
I better get a slight. <laughs> and that segment is essentially what made Rikishi, but it was that era. Um, the Rock is what essentially made the Samoans because the only how many Samoans have really gone big in WWE since The Rock? You've had the Roman Reigns. You've Umaga had, to some degree. Yeah, Umaga went. I wouldn't call him huge, but he had a he had a run with the IC title. I think Umaga would have been huge if not passing away too soon. Um, I think the way they built him was incredible. So they've got Samoa Joe at the moment, who's a different sort of Samoan. Obviously, he's not um, from like the Fatu Anoa'i family. Um, but there, is, there isn't that meant they get they get used. Like, look at the Usos; they've been booked amazingly, um, and rightly so. They're probably the best tag team in the world. Mm. I think, if yeah. anything, Samoa Joe's been underutilized. Yes, he should have beaten Brock Lesnar. Oh, absolutely, without a doubt. He, it was one of the few Brock Lesnar feuds that I thought he could actually do. It. I, I don't think I ever truly believed that Strowman could beat Lesnar, but Samoa Joe, I definitely thought had hit, had it in the bag. It's the one yeah. person that actually became a believable threat to Lesnar's title reign, where Roman Reigns it. It wasn't believable that he was a threat. It's, uh, yeah, he's in Vince's pants. He's going to win. No, I agree. And then, after thinking that, he went on and lost. Like, Brock Lesnar's contract was up. He was going up against Roman Reigns. Oh, yeah, Lesnar's going to drop the title and then disappear. And he never did. He re-signed the next day. I'm just like, wow. <laughs> or he re-signed the night before or whatever it was. But WrestleMania 34, everyone thought Roman Reigns was going to win. And everyone was mad that Roman Reigns was getting the title. It was a match they couldn't win with. because no, Everyone was over Brock having it. But no one wanted to see Roman Reigns win it. Ever since yeah. they gave Roman Reigns that Rumble win when it should have been Daniel Bryan or Batista they gave it to. That's what killed Roman Reigns. Yeah, to some degree. I think a lot of it's happening with Seth Rollins at the moment where fans want certain people to be pushed. And then when they start getting pushed, right, no, you're pushing him too much. Or you're pushing and him too seems to be, Yeah, and it seems to be happening with Seth Rollins where the he's getting the... John Cena, Roman Reigns effects where he'll just destroy people he's not supposed to destroy by doing move after move after move after move after move. And there's, there's a shift where fans are getting fed up with Seth Rollins now. And yeah. I think it's the case. I think it's it's the same thing. Like, look at Cody. Everybody's over. Cody is over. He's one of the most over people in professional wrestling right now. If oh, he wins sure. tonight, if he wins that full gear, there's going to be people saying, well, he's made himself champion or they'll no longer want Cody to be champion because people want people to get there, but then when they're there, they're like, nah, next, please. Yeah, exactly. And it's, that, well, it's one of the other things it could also be is 
they want someone to be champion and they want it and they want it and it never happens. And by the time it does happen, people have moved on and that's why they get cranky. Because, I mean, look at some of the most over people in WWE at the moment. It's like, Ali, you've got... Um, you've got Who's someone else? The Revival are over, and I think a lot of people are going to be annoyed. The Revival just lost the tag team championships. You've got um, Chad Gable was over, and Chad Gable's an interesting one. There's a lot of people wanted him to get pushed, and now that he's getting a push, they're calling it a joke because they changed his name to Shorty G, which personally I love. I think it's fantastic because yeah. I love comedy wrestling's right. You need you can't have every match be serious and he did what uh, no one uh, uh, could do yeah he brought out a good uh, match doing it. Barry yeah. Corbin <laughs> yeah but for me one of them I want to get pushed would be Body Murphy he is one of the most underutilized talents going at the moment in, but in saying that, I suppose he, I may or may not be biased, but I, I'm regardless. No, I, mm. As an unbiased person, I agree he's outstanding. And are they going to do it? I'm not too sure. Like part of me would have liked him to have gone to NXT because you know he'd have got used there. Um, but hopefully they don't shit the bed with um, Buddy Murphy. And make it too late because let's face it, they've they failed to use somebody else that was not the tallest guy but absolutely ripped right in the ring. And now that person's mm. killing it in AW, and it's just frustrating to see. And I hope they they push him sooner rather than before it's too late. Yeah, how are you feeling about the fiend at the moment? Um, I don't know, to be honest. They started really well. The whole Hell in a Cell bullshit was just that bullshit. Um, now with him getting champion, the championship, I'm not going to lie, I've not watched Crown Jewel. I don't have any intention of watching Crown Jewel. So I've actually missed his title win. And yeah. I don't know, it'll be... It'll be interesting to see where they go from there. Obviously, he attacked Daniel Bryan on SmackDown. So, and they're going to do something there. It's, I, I'm really enjoying the character. I'm just s- skeptical of what WWE will do with it. Well, I think you pretty much summed it up perfectly when you said Hell in a Cell was bullshit. I was like you. I have no intention at watching Crown Jewel. I forgot it was even on because normally they have it on um, a Saturday but they had it on before Smackdown on a Thursday and yeah. I'd gone gone to bed and I'd laid up and I'm, I'm on the phone watching The Flash on um, stand and my phone pops up with a notification dropping down from the top going Crown Jewel starts now live so I put it on I've sort of dozed in and out and I think by about halfway through I'd probably fallen asleep and not that I'd retained any of the first half because I just had no interest. And I'd woken up to Michael Cole screaming, it's Seth Rollins' Halloween nightmare. And I'm, I didn't re- actually realize what was going on. I just thought, oh, 
what have I woken up to? And I wasn't sure if I was actually waking up to it or if it was part of the dream I just finished having. And I'd woken up and watched it and thought, oh, okay then, right on. And I started to get on with my day and wake up. And by about 7 a.m., I thought, you know what, screw it. Because Crown Jewel for us was 2 a.m. to 6 a.m., which is just ridiculous. So I understand how you guys feel when there's a pay-per-view on an American and it's on uh, all hours of the morning. But I yeah, it's honest, difficult. If there's two matches I recommend going back and watching, it is Cesaro versus Mansoor and Natalia versus oh, Lake Yates. Yeah. Because that women's match was great. And it was weird, but it was great. It was weird in the sense that it didn't have the heel-face dynamic because, I mean, because it was such a monumental moment, Lacey Evans walked out with a smile, waving at the crowd, just like a perfect face. They started, the bell rang, they shook hands, they had a great match. I discovered Lacey Evans has a Charlotte Flair-esque moonsault. Like, it is wicked. Oh, yeah. They, they finished the match, they hugged, they cried, they celebrated with the crowd. And it was so good to see. And I actually really enjoyed watching that match. It's one match I definitely recommend going back and watching. And then obviously the other one being Mansoor versus Cesaro. Because we all know from watching TakeOver with um, Cesaro and Dragunov, Cesaro can just get a great match out of anyone. And he really made Mansoor look good. And the fact that Mansoor won that, I don't think I saw it coming. But after I thought about it, I'm like, okay, that actually makes sense. It's his home country. They would have. Oh yeah, whatever match he was, they could have put him against John Cena and Mansoor. Is still won. Oh yeah, maybe. But they, it was all about getting the Saudi Arabia, the hometown crowd pop, and it worked. But it made it believable as well. It wasn't just he won. Like yeah, it probably was a he won for the sake of he was in Saudi Arabia. But they didn't make it look like that. They made it win. They made the win look like he actually earned it. He fought for it and he fought through the pain. And it was believable because Cesaro owned most of that match. Whether yeah. you say Cesaro carried that match or um, Mansoor can actually sell up to the person watching it. But it was a really good match. No, that's that's good to hear, to be honest. Um, I'd heard really good stuff. So, mm. like, I may, I may check it out. Um, yeah, I'm not too sure. I've got that much wrestling. I think anything with the Crown Jewel stuff's just always been on the back burner. But from what I did see on the SmackDown show when Steph came out and showing it, it did look incredible for the women and is a massive, massive statement. And well played to WWE for getting that match to happen because in terms of women in the movement in Saudi Arabia, that was a massive step for. Yeah. And as I said to Ditz last week, the one thing I noticed was a lot of people were up in roar of, yeah, about the match they went with. And then once the match happened, they were all, oh, they're going to, or even before it happened, oh, they're going to be wrestling in full body suits, yada, yada, yada. And someone commented on it going, doesn't Natalia wrestle in a full body suit? But you watch the match. Oh, and they, they both 
wore full body suits, but they wore um, like large size t-shirts over the top of it, which drew more focus to the wrestling rather than what they were wearing. And I think that's what added to it as well. It made the wrestling itself so much better. Because, like, yes, the women are putting on great wrestling matches, but you get the seeds on Twitter and Facebook and YouTube and whatever else that will record the match and then slow it down, rewind it, and keep the recording going on while it's rewinding and then go back forward in slow-mo again. For instance, whether it be a Alexa Bliss booty jiggle or a Sasha Banks titty wiggle, and I'm just like, instead of focusing on the looks or what they're wearing or lack thereof, focus on the wrestling itself. And that's what was good about this match is what they were wearing um, took away the attention of what they were wearing and made them actually focus on the wrestling. And it it was great, and I really enjoyed it. No, that's good to know. Yeah. Going back to the whole focusing on what they're wearing thing, another one WWE have signed is the Smoke Show Scarlet Bordeaux. <laughs> yeah, big fan of that. Um, yeah. As long as the keeper is the Smoke Show, <clears throat> because that's who she is. And I, I used to love what she did at Impact, where she was like, I shouldn't be shamed for being good looking. I, I shouldn't be shamed for being hot. I should be allowed to dress how I want if I want to be provocative and show show off her assets. And it's how they give Diva a bad name. We shouldn't be saying Diva and thinking of it negatively. You shouldn't be able to say Diva and think of it positively, which is absolutely right. No, 100%. And it's, it's one of those. She can wrestle as well. She's fantastic in the ring. Oh, yeah. um, and I, she, she really is. One thing I don't think she was allowed to show when she was at Impact, like, I saw a lot of it, but I didn't see much of it in the ring. It was all she was um, being a chauffeur or she was pulling off some good moves, but she was just getting destroyed, and which she was a reminder of why they went away from the Diva Zero. Yeah. All I could, when watching her in Impact, and this isn't anything on her, it's more on impact and how they display it. All I could hear in the back of my head while watching her wrestle was Jerry Lawler going, oh my God, the puppies! And I'm just like, it was a real, <laughs> yeah, it was a real drawback to 2000s and 2004 when you had Stratus and whoever else walk out and be more of a diva than a female wrestler. And I'm like, yes, they should be able to wrestle, but like Sasha Banks and Charlotte Flair do now, but why shouldn't they be proud of their body image? Why should they have to be covering up? Yeah, they, they like, it's one of those, you can appreciate how attractive they are. And they put a lot of work to look like that. So, and I'm sure they'd like you to appreciate it. It's just when fans take it one step too far and go from appreciation to pervy, like you said, slowing down and zooming in on um, Alexa Bliss's um, bomb or anything like that is it is quite weird. Like I remember being at a local show NGW, and there was a very attractive female that was uh, she was like a manager, and 
one of the people next to me, bearing in mind this was like a family-friendly show and there was a lot of kids around, the amount of derogatory comments he kept shouting at her, I turned around and I was like, mate, you need to shut up now. Like, one, you're being way too disrespectful. And two, these children around you should not be using that language anyways, never mind aimed towards um, one of the competitors and a female nevertheless. And he, yeah. he didn't like it. He sold, he huffed and he puffed and um, he was like, why are you gay? I was like, no, nah, I can appreciate that she's a very good looking woman. I was like, but you don't have to shout derogatory comments. And actually, if I was gay, what's, why would that be a negative? And it was yeah, just, exactly. so you do get you do get fans where it just made me laugh where he tried using gay as an insult. I was like, well, no, I'm not. But even if I was, like, who cares? Um, so you do have fans like that. But in the same retrospect, if people are highlighting how attractive a female is, but also appreciating their wrestling, they shouldn't be damned for highlighting their attractiveness. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, So speaking on the topic of women's wrestling, one thing I've been doing on my Twitter is I've had this fantasy women's tournament come up. Have you been able to keep up to date with that at all? No, not as much, to be honest. Mm. So... Basically, I've taken a bit of a break from it to let it all sink in and because I've been doing it day after day and I'm, each match you vote on for seven days. So it's basically everyone in the Twitterverse will decide who they want to win it. And yeah. now that we're up to the quarterfinals, I thought, well, I'll get your predictions on who you think's going to win each match to who you'd like, who you think sh- should win each match to who you think the Twitterverse is going to vote for. And then... Mm, right, so your first... Don't get me wrong, there are some ripper matches coming up. And they're going to be so hard to pick. Okay. So your first match to pick, pick from is Rosemary versus Rhea Ripley. <laughs> Fuck's sake, that's not fair. Um, absolutely love I know. Rip- Obviously, I got to see. She's yeah, she's amazing. Like it was great getting to see her so often live in the UK as part of NXT UK. But also, I think Rosemary is the be- one of the best characters in professional wrestling, regardless of gender. Um, mm. She is fantastic. But I think if it was on TV, they could do a very back-and-forth, brutal storyline, but if I had to vote one, it's your girl, Rhea Ripley. Mm. Yeah, well, I think I'd go Rhea Ripley as well. One, because I'm Aussie and she's Aussie. And I think if you were to put him in a match and book it, you'd book Ripley to win because she's more brutal in that sense. Then again, in saying that, I've seen uh, Mia Yim from NXT, who used to be known as Jade, Jade and Rosemary put on one wicked ass monsters ball match from when oh, Rosemary yeah. was a part of um, Abyss's. Yeah. Decay. Oh, man, I loved that. Decay versus the Hardys. Wow. Yeah, that, that was everything they did between Decay and Hardys was absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah. And. Rosemary, that was supposed to be an afterthought. She's the last one standing there. Mm. 
Well, I think um, Abyss has gone into retirement, has he not? He's working for WWE. He's one of the producers at WWE now. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, him and Sanjay Dutt are at WWE, working in the office and backstage and stuff. Because mm. I think, for me, it's my favourite It's my favorite Impact versus my favourite NXT. Yeah. But I want to see Ripley win, but who do I think going to win based on who everyone votes for? Personally, I think Ripley's going to win it because the one thing I've noticed from this tournament and the um, tag team tournament that I did before this is WWE, because they have a bigger fan base, there's more people voting for WWE over the independent promotions, especially if they don't yeah. watch promotions like Impact or, for me, like I don't watch MLW. Don't get me wrong, I've seen it. It's not that I'm yeah. against it. I just forget about it. I'll watch an episode of it here or there, but it's nothing that makes me think, oh, I've got to go watch MLW, but I do enjoy it on that occasion. I do watch it. So you've gone for Ripley. Do you think that's who's going to win it? Yes. Mm. All right. Now, another NXT versus Impact match is Dakota Kai versus Tessa Blanchard. Tessa Blanchard's winning. Um, <laughs> I hope the fans would vote Tessa Blanchard as well. It, it depends because I'm not sure how many people are watching Impact Wrestling. Um, so Dakota might get that vote. But Tessa Blanchard should because she is, um, to me, the best person on that list. Mm. Oh, I totally agree. I've, Tessa Blanchard's just on fire at the moment and she has been for the last six months if not longer basically ever since she went into that rivalry with um gail kim it was just stellar he yeah. took to another level 100 oh, yeah. percent. and then you've got um dakota kai she's really coming into her own in the past couple of weeks but i wouldn't book her over tessa blanchard not yet anyway but i do agree with you i think dakota kai could pick up the win in this I think she has got the bigger fan base. And you thought that first match was cruel. This third one is <laughs> not any better. It's Kyrie Sane versus Io Shirai. Io Shirai is winning. She is fucking brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Io Shirai. And I think people will vote Io Shirai, to be honest. So do I. I think Kyrie Sane at the moment's in Oscar's shadow. Oscar's just yep. outshining her on every level. Like, I'm not as much stuff. that. It's just WWE booking. Like, Carrie Sane looked the best she's looked in months when they had the match against Knox and Kai on NXT. And, yeah. To me, Io Shirai is fantastic, and I hope she stays in NXT. Yeah, and I'm just looking at who they've had to face to get to where they are now. Kyrie Sane has beat Jordan Grace and then be a Priestley, where Io okay, Shirai yeah. has beat Britt Baker and then gone and beat Alexa Bliss. Yeah, Io Shirai is winning then. Um, I think Britt Baker is more popular than the two that Kyrie's beat. And then, obviously, for Io Shirai to get a win over Alexa Bliss, that's so popular, Io's winning. Yeah, and... Um... As I said um, with that one, she beat Alexa Bliss. There was one stage where I was 
put the competition out and about halfway through round one, I'm crapping myself going, oh my God, what have I done? And I'm looking at all these stands on Twitter attacking each other, not on because of my competition, but beforehand. I'm like, I'm going to get a match between Alexa Bliss and Sasha Banks. I'm just in the semifinals. I'm like, no, 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 no. Oh, God, no. I've just started an absolute shit fight. But yeah, going back to the other matches just for a second, you had um, Dakota Kai versus Tessa Blanchard. Tessa Blanchard beat Konami, and then she's going to beat Riho. Okay. Where Dakota Kai... In the first round, Dakota Kai beat ODB. Yep. And then the second round, she went and beat Tegan Knox. I can I can see that. Um, I think a lot of people, unfortunately, haven't had the exposure to Tegan Knox because of her two unfortunate injuries. But, man, if she stays fit, especially after this war games, everybody's going to be loving Tegan Knox. Yeah. And the first one was Rosemary and Rhea Ripley. Rhea Ripley beat Dana Brooke and then yeah. went to beat Tennille Dashwood. Okay, they'd be two good matches actually. Um, it'd be mm. interesting to see Rhea and um Dana Brooke because they are two powerful women, that'd be a decent match, I reckon. Yeah, well, Rhea Ripley beat Tennille Dashwood, but that was shocking for me because I didn't think she was going to be facing Dashwood, I didn't think Dashwood would make it to the second round to face Rhea Ripley. Dashwood had to beat Bailey. Oh. Yeah. Oh. This be, was like, this before Bailey's? Was this before Bailey's heel turn? Yeah, I think it was. And I think that'd have been why, because before that heel turn, nobody really gives a damn about Bailey anymore. But even back then, before the turn, nobody cared about Bailey even more. So. Yeah. Where Rosemary? Go mm, Rose. Rosemary went and beat um Kajetsu, I think you pronounce it. Okay. And yeah. Also gone and beat Awesome Kong. That'd be a great match. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's happened, and I'm pretty sure it was a stellar match. All right, so the final match in this, which is probably the easiest pick you're going to have to make, is Charlotte Flair versus Liv Morgan. Liv Morgan? No, I'm kidding. Charlotte Flair's winning. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Charlotte Flair. I'd I'm looking forward to what WWE win. Yeah, but I'm there's looking no way what they'll do. And yeah, I'm looking Liv, forward to what they do with her return. Liv Morgan realistically should not be against Charlotte Flair in this tournament because to where, the way she got to this, the first round she beat Madison Eagles, which is an Australian female performer that personally yeah, yeah. I've never seen wrestle. But I do want to go look her up. The second round, she got a bye. And the only reason she got a bye was because in the first round was Sasha Banks versus Miko Satomura. And give me a second. Let me look up this match. Miko Satomura versus Sasha Banks. Uh, First match, first match, first match. There was 107 votes, and I do not understand the maths behind this, 
but 50% of 107 people voted for Sasha Banks. The other 50 voted for Miko Satomura. How? I don't know. So I put up in a couple of group chats, what do I do? Who advances? And then I thought, well, I, why not if it's have a draw, neither of them go through. Why not have a triple threat match? And okay. I believe it was Mike B. Bebe said, no, make it a double disqualification. And the winner of the other match gets the buy. I'm like, yeah, okay, we can do that. That sounds more like realistic. It. So, therefore, we did the double DQ and Liv Morgan got the bye. So, now Liv Morgan is facing Charlotte Flair. Where Charlotte Flair, to get to where she is, had to beat Sue Young in the first round and in the second round beat Ruby Riot, which neither one really surprises me. No, no. So, of Charlotte Flair, Liv Morgan, Kyrie Saint, Io Shirai, Dakota Kai, Tessa Blanchard, Rosemary and Rhea Ripley. Who do you think is going to win the whole thing? Hmm. I think you could, to be honest. Mm. Um, it depends. Like fans are very fickle when it comes to Charlotte Fleur. Yeah. So I don't know how to call that. Like. I can imagine at one point they might vote the opposite way just because it is Charlotte Flair that they're facing. Um, I think Charlotte I'd, would win it. But I'd want I, Blanche. I, I think Charlotte get, would. I think we're going to get a Charlotte versus Rhea Ripley grand final. Because I think Ripley wins and Tessa Blanchard wins and then they'll face each other off. And I think Ripley beats Blanchard. I think that's how the fans will vote. It'd be good to see a main event where it's Blanchard and Flair, though. I always said their first match against each of us should be the um, potentially main event of WrestleMania, if not one of the main events. Oh, absolutely. I totally agree with you. So let's um, go kick this. I put up earlier this week that the first match would kick off with... Um, on Saturday night, and I said it'd happen in mid podcast. So, which match should kick the quarterfinals off? And I'm going to leave that one up to you. Pick which match is going to be the first match of the quarterfinals. You've got Rosemary Ripley, Dakota Kai Tessa Blanchard, you've got Kyrie Sane and Io Shirai, or you've got Flair and Morgan. Hmm. I think Kyrie Sane and Io Shirai should be your main event. But kicking things off, I'd go with... Fuck it, let's go Rosemary, Rhea Ripley. That's going to be an interesting match. Because I know a lot of Rosemary fans out there, and I can see a lot of fans getting really disappointed at this. So if we type in Rhea Ripley... And we'll get rid of that one, select and drag it across and type in Rosemary. And we'll go uh, highlight that, select QTR finals. Right, and we will set this up. 
and type in once again in the poll for Rosemary and Rhea Ripley. Change it to seven days. And we will hit tweet. And that is up. So what we'll do, we'll pin that to the profile. And I give that about five minutes before it really goes off. Well, you've got a vote already. Show him. So if I go email, not email, whatever it is, send via direct message to PWF. Are you a part of the PWF? I believe we are, yeah. Ringsider is. Yeah. Um, Let me have a look. I think I might. I just don't tweet much into it. Um, yeah, I am PWF. Yes, we have a vote already, and Rosemary has kicked things off. Well, I've just gone on to retweet, and it shows that wrote these two votes, and Rosemary's hundred percent. Wow. That is actually really surprising. I think we might... Is, is it possible we called that one wrong? <laughs> I'm just retweeting off the accounts. Let's have a look. There we go. Alright, so I'm going to go into the PWF blogs account because I'm in charge of that. And um, we will open that one up. All right, and we are going to put our vote in. And I said I'm going to vote Ripley. I really don't like doing this because I'm a massive Rosemary fan. But I mark out every time I see Rosemary when they had Impact's version of the battle um over the top battle royale rumble whatever it was called and yeah. rosemary came out and went straight after joey ryan i thought it was i'm just like yes oh my god yes this is amazing <laughs> all, right. all right so we will vote rhea ripley it is uh, five votes and ripley is now winning 60 percent to 40 so uh <laughs> everyone that is listening to this don't forget to vote and keep up with it um there's a few rounds left. Um, keep up to date. You guys all know what to do. Vote, like, retweet. Um, do you want to tell us where you can, or where our listeners can find you on Twitter and other social media platforms? Yeah. So you can find myself at GetYourHanson93. Um, find me each week on the Ringside Pod. You can find me at Ringside Pod which, of course, what I mentioned earlier, part of the Zealots Network. So there's myself, Jamie Callum, each week on Ringsider. There's part of Zealots where you can find it at Zealots Network. You've got Make It Darker at Make Darker, and you've got The Occult at Occult Pod. You can find all of those at the moment. We're just doing it through YouTube at the moment. So head over to the Zealots Network on YouTube and check out our first sets of episodes since our return. And... Yeah, we should be doing some vault stuff. So we're going to do inside of vaults, bring in the best interviews that we've had. So we should be re-releasing our interview with Vance Archer, which happened shortly after the G1 Climax. 
And we've also got, as part of the Zealous Network, is don't even get me started from our Wrestle Thoughts days. So check that out. Let us know if you like it. We'll be doing some more content like that. Yeah, oh, fantastic. I look forward to it. Go give Kurt a like and follow him. Go check out all his different Twitter accounts and everything he's just mentioned. If you missed it, rewind it, listen to it again. Make sure you write it down. You can find me, um, BJ, at AussieLution, A-U-S-S-I-E-L-U-T-I-O-N. You've got Seth, who's um, away with his family at the moment. He's hopefully going to be back, if not next week, the week after that. Next week, we have our episode with Tony from Lucha Arcades, and we are doing an episode on WWE 2K20, how good it is, how good it isn't, the glitches, the funniest glitches, the best and the worst of it. It is all about 2K20. So don't miss that episode. It is going to be great, and I look forward to it. Um, hopefully Seth's back in time for that. You can find him at Peggles underscore underscore. Guys, thanks for tuning in. Um, it's been great having you listen to us. Kurt, thank you so much for giving up your time. I really do appreciate it. Oh, thank you for giving me some of your time as well. I've really enjoyed the chat. Um, it's always interesting to be speaking to different people from around the world with different mm. views of wrestling. And yeah, um, whenever you need another guest, just hit me up and we'll make it happen again. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, I won't keep up more of your time. I want to be respectful of your time. I'm sure you've got a busy weekend ahead. You got many plans? Yeah, I'm just. I'm just hoping my Call of Duty update is finished because the internet in Hull in England is absolutely atrocious. So if that's finished, I'll probably jump on that for a little bit. Um, chill out before watching Full Gear, which that's going to be a late one. Well, it starts at 1am here. So, oh, wow. yeah, yeah, it's we'll... going to be a late one. And then use Sunday to recover. Mm. So for me, it's like 9.45pm at night. Full Gear is going to be on tomorrow morning. Um, I believe about 10 or 11 o'clock, maybe 9, depending. I'm not quite sure. I'd actually have to check the fight up. But, yeah, that'll be an interesting day tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah, but nobody. Enjoy the pay-per-view and enjoy the rest of your weekend. Yeah, you too, guys. This has been Mining for Mayhem. You know where to find us next week. It's 2K20. Come back and we'll all go once again mining for some mayhem. Thanks, guys. See ya.